Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about whether happiness is a choice. And if it is, how do you choose it? And if it is a choice, why don't people choose it more often? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So we're going to talk about kind of all things happiness. One of my uh, personal uh, real passions is for people to find uh, contentment, meaning, substance in their life i mm-hmm. think there's a lot to do with the human soul and all that um so we're going to talk about whether happiness is even the, the right goal but sure um yeah all that but first it's joke and or story time john so what do you have for us today uh i have a story okay i've that's only it. ever told one the one joke that's so true another another story that's good yeah i'll try and i say i've said this before i will try and think of more jokes but i really i don't have a lot that one was i think the only go one. to funnyjokes.com and see what you can find uh, but the you know it's about we want to surprise the listeners if they that's could true. go themselves to funnyjoke.com that's true and then they'd be like I heard I don't that even know one. if there is a funnyjoke.com <laughs> <laughs> all right so okay it's so my story your story so uh, the week before last the episode before last mm-hmm. uh, you asked if I uh, shared my feelings with friends of mine and I realized afterwards that I shortchanged a buddy of mine from Northwest I kind of said that they were all machismo and we don't really. Oh, right. You know, yeah. You guys yeah. would not really do that. Yeah. And Vulnerability that, wasn't part of the plaque package and, there. Right. And as I was editing it, I was like, you know, me me and my closest friend from Northwest are, you know, we, we share a lot. Hmm. So I'll tell the story of how I met this guy because it's pretty funny. And uh, so I show up to, we show up to Northwest to move my to move me in. So yeah. it's, it's orientation uh, day or yeah, whatever. End of August, early September. And the I was taking uh, classes at South Puget Sound Community College, and as is my way, that <laughs> night I had to submit my last assignment. So I stayed up till probably three or four the night before ah. to do these assignments. Yeah, I don't recall you confessing that at the time. <laughs> I probably didn't tell. I was surprised you couldn't tell. Yeah, because I drove us there, and I was so sleepy. Uh, I think. If I remember, was Jaden there? Yeah, she was there. So actually, another mini story. I'm driving me and Jaden up there with the the truck with stuff in the back. Yeah, and you and Mom are in a different car because it's a single cab. And uh, Jaden is my niece. At this point, she must have been. Well, this was like five years ago, four years ago, four four and a half. So she'd have been twelve, thirteen. Yeah. And there's this truck ahead of us, a little ways. We're on I five. And a mattress in the back of their truck flies out of their no car. Way. Yeah, and I and I went around it without incident. But your cat-like reflexes got your car. You were able to evade without collision. You knew yes. your surroundings. You yep. switched lanes. You, in this big boat-like vehicle, <laughs> I was able to. <laughs> what truck was that? The F one fifty. Oh, the old gray. The truck. white. The white one. Yeah, yeah. it's gray. <laughs> it we was, had this argument forever. <laughs> the truck so, is gray. It John. was a white truck. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> agree to disagree. Uh, we get there and we're you know unloading and stuff and i'm very nervous uh anyway there's we go to some event up on the the um soccer fields yeah first they had all these uh activities down in this bowl next mm-hmm. to the dorms and so they had you yeah, know like a little irrigation yeah so they uh, it was big yeah and they had games there where they're putting you guys in teams helping you try to meet each other there's upperclassmen leading that and the idea was to get you where you know you're you're safe with mommy and daddy leaving you behind yeah <laughs> I, 
I wasn't a fan of that. And we had done this for Bethany the year before. Right. So I had seen right. all this from the outside first and I was True. like, man, this looks awful. And then I, then I was actually there. So right. anyway, at the, towards the end of the day, like the last event, there's this guy walking around in what I would call an Easter shirt. In an like a Easter sh- shirt. Yeah. I think since we've called it the Sherbert shirt. Hey, what know. is Sherbert? What, what do you mean? Sherbert, the ice cream, you know, it's like, it's like lime green, orange. Oh, it's like, all kinds of Sherbert. Yeah. 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 It was plaid. As I recall, I would have thought that it's a Ralph Lauren, uh, short sleeve button up, you know, it's kind yeah. of this plaid, uh, what we would call in my younger days, a yuppie shirt, <laughs> yuppie shirt. Yeah. Young, upwardly mobile professionals. They were Whoa. called yuppies and they dressed a certain way and it was kind of, uh, the Izod, uh, right. for a while was there and. Uh, he kind of flashed back to that. I think he was kind of, in my eyes, he looked like he stepped out of, you know, 1985. <laughs> and I know he's listening to this. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Yuppie sounds very insulting. I would not want to be a yuppie. The acronym doesn't sound bad when you broke well, it down. Well, yuppies but. wore Rolex watches and drove BMWs. And they oh. were, you know, they were all about climbing the corporate ladder and kicking butt, taking names. You know, you think of Wall Street guys, right. yeah, Maybe talking I do fast. Want to be a yeah, I don't know. I don't think you you're not you're not yuppie material, man. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, you see that guy and you kind of tap him on the shoulder and say, "This is going to be your best friend." <laughs> <laughs> and neither of us knew him. We I just no. saw him in the crowd and I was like, "It was like some buffet or something." Yeah, was, yeah, because yeah, it was getting a bunch of hot dogs and stuff, then going to this football field to right. sit around and and hang out. And I saw him and I said, "John, that's going to be your new friend." Yeah, so then I go to my uh, dorm that night, and he's there. He's on my. He's on, he's my on your floor. floor yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we share a wall. And that was my buddy Alan. And uh, yep, that's how it went. We just started hanging out. His roommate was is another hilarious story. His roommate was kind of a. It was a lot of a, a lot to deal with. Oh. So he spent a lot of time out in the out in the lounge area. Um, and now, I became good friends with a lot of guys on that floor. But, yeah, you did. Yeah. So you started, you framed this story before you told it in that we weren't vulnerable and I really wasn't accurate about that. Mm-hmm. So the implication is that you and Alan, you kind of are vulnerable. Yeah, more so, I mean, more so than we were for sure. It's an interesting dynamic. I'm sure you've noticed in yourself that a group of guys together. Mm-hmm. There's boundaries. Yeah, lots of boundaries and lots of uh, invulnerability or, or yeah. um, supposed invulnerability right a little machismo a little exactly but one-on-one it's different Mm -hmm. and uh that's definitely the way it was so uh after college his college were almost always just in groups Mm -hmm. and you know and you're just like like yeah see you later all right we'll we'll meet up later it's cool and then you know and since then it's it's been different so i just wanted to give him some credit because because he's a good friend and and, and you have uh Appropriate levels of intimacy. <laughs> Very appropriate. <laughs> Very appropriate levels of intimacy. And I haven't seen that shirt since. Maybe one of the really? times since that day. Yeah. That's interesting. He kind of, he, he's very hip now. He changed up his ways a little bit. And he went from yuppie to hippie. Yeah. Hip, hipster. H- hipster. Hipster. Not hipster. Hi- yeah, Not exactly. Hippie. The opposite of hippie. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. You talk about what guys, how guys behave in a pack versus how they behave one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I was an air traffic controller, as you know, for uh, some years and I noticed in that world, those guys, there's a lot of ego, a lot of cockiness, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of foul mouthing. Sure. And um, one upsmanship. What do you, comeuppance might happen? 
<laughs> no, absolutely not. That is not how that okay. works. Okay. Anyway, uh, I'm trying to learn your language. Anyway, learn the English language. <laughs> <laughs> comeuppance is just karma. It's you got what you deserve. Oh, okay. That's comeuppance. That would happen every once in a while, too. Okay. Anyway, uh, I found that um, because they knew of my faith and mm. that I had been a pastor before that, sure. that um, they were all very walled up in my presence as a group. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I would be working late at night or in the morning alone with one of them, that's when the walls came down and they'd start talking about what they thought about God or what they were struggling with in their life. But they would never do that right. in front of somebody Of course else. not. No. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Okay. So let's talk about happiness. John, uh, how happy are you? <laughs> how happy am I? <laughs> yeah. On a scale of one to 10. One to 10. How happy is John? Is there like, do you have like, those, not a trick question. Those faces, like the pain scale. You oh yeah. No, no, Which, just give me a number. You? Just give me a number. I'm having a good day. I'm having a, a good week, I guess. Um, I don't know. Probably about as happy as I get if I'm not on vacation or I'll say like an, like a, like an 8.5 to a nine. Okay. And you were talking about this week. How about the last 90 days? Mm, that's tougher it's been a week it's been a, a good week in a in a rougher 90 days so oh, okay. 90 days probably you know like a six to a seven okay so up, upon what are you basing these numbers uh your happiness uh, what is your happiness based upon you're you're running through a little grid in your head yeah i see the little mouse on the wheel going in your brain <laughs> what the big mouse <laughs> on the wheel you do have brain. a shrek head so it needs there's plenty of room for a for a rat yeah a rat uh, anyway, so what what are you calculating through as you figure that out? Uh, my resting mood, I guess, for the for the um, the increments of time you gave. So for the day and for the ninety okay. days. So just when I'm when uh, there's when nothing the, going there's on, there's no stimuli. And you're, you're driving down the road. Yeah, what my what my resting um, happiness Man, level I is. I like me and I like my life. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. Or or I'm only thinking about my problems and I'm frustrated at things. And, yeah. Which what you're yeah. staring at really makes a big difference when yeah. you start staring at the negativity or the positivity. That's true. Those are a, a big thing. I, I, the reason I want to talk about this is because, you know, anxiety is at an all-time high. Depression's high. And um, I want us to be a source of, you know, helping this in our own life. I don't know how often. <clears throat> let me ask you this. How often do you battle an absence of happiness, if we had word it that way? Is well, that we, frequent, rare? You know, I think common. We, we talked about this on the uh, depression episode. Yeah. Um, how often a lack of happiness? So, yeah. So like yeah. A, a, how often is how often is happiness a challenge? Never, seldom, sometimes, often, sometimes. Okay, I think that's true. And so, uh, what what I want to we're going to kind of base this conversation off mm-hmm. of is a book that I read in college. So now thirty, probably seven years ago. Dang. That changed my life. Um, my dad died when I was 16. At 18, I go to college. I'm kind of battling some, you know, sense of lostness, really missing my dad. And I'm in a class on mental health. Mm-hmm. It's actually a mental health class. I was a psychology concentration. So this book called Happiness is a Choice by two doctors named Minerth and Meyer, Frank Minerth and Paul Meyer. They had a huge counseling practice in Dallas, and they have counseled between them literally thousands of people. Dang. And so they wrote this book together and they had kind of studied this concept of where happiness comes from. So uh, they have a list of seven things. Now here's the, here's the thing. One of the, one of the things that I think this isn't from the book, but um, is happiness the goal or is happiness the byproduct 
Hmm. You ask people, what do you want? I want to be happy. Yeah. Well, it turns out happiness is an elusive goal, and it's a it could be a terrible taskmaster. But as a byproduct of other goals. Of, of meaning. Maybe, maybe as you pursue a life of meaning, happiness comes along. Sure. What do you think of that idea? I think it makes sense. Uh, because, you know, happiness is like, uh, like, like love, right? Like, like, you know, there's a million love songs. They probably all don't even mean the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can ask anybody what love is and you might get different answers. Right. It's kind of vague. And it means different things to everybody. So uh, having that as a goal is slippery for sure. It is. And when you think of, well, what will make me happy? I want to be happy. What mm-hmm. would make you happy? We tend to think of stuff or yeah. of uh, the absence of conflict, you know, great physical health. You know, we have a list of stuff probably. Well, it turns out these guys say that there are three ingredients that a human being needs for wholeness, mm-hmm. for uh, the possibility of happiness. Now, much of the book uh, before this list we're going to talk about today, these seven habits, um, does go into the physiological issues, uh, psychological issues. So there's plenty There's plenty around this. Sure. So um, I don't mean to say if there is a physiological disorder uh, that this will solve things. it. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, but the three things they say you need is that you need a sense of worth about yourself. You need a, a sense of self-worth. You need a uh, intimacy with at least one other person that we were made for that. And you need intimacy with God. And as those three uh, are healthy and positive and powerful, happiness comes along. But they have these seven uh, things, and they said that uh, in their entire counseling practice, mm-hmm. they have yet to have anyone who did these seven who experienced depression. Wow. That's a pretty big boast. Yeah. Especially, okay. I, you know, that sounds like a miracle, a miracle pill. That's a, yeah. Well, yeah. when you hear the list and as we go through this <laughs> list, you might say, well, it's a little more, I see now this is uh this is not like seven little pills. Sure. Uh, these are real decisions you make in life. So let's get into it. You ready for the list? Uh, item number one. Yeah. Well, and we'll, we'll kind of go through this together before that. I want to know how happy you are out of 10. I want to put you on the spot, too. It, feels, it doesn't feel right that I'm the only one who had to, <laughs> had to give that answer. Um, I'm in an interesting place in my life. I would say I am happy uh, at a 9 and have uh, more frequent days of, um, although these seem to be getting uh, bigger gaps between them, mm. but I'm surprised at how many days I have where I have to dig myself out of a despair hole. Gotcha. A hole of despair. A, get, a pit uh, of despair. <laughs> you got to give a number. <laughs> I'm going to say a nine. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm going to say a nine. But for me, happiness is not the absence of a, of a hard day. Gotcha. So let's talk about this list. And, uh, John, you have the list, too. This book is meaningful to me, and we'll walk through um, each of these. Now, just as a, rem- a couple of discl- – one disclaimer and then a reminder. <laughs> sure. Uh, Minerth and Meyer, these two doctors, mm-hmm. uh, after this book came out and changed my life – and, you know, it wasn't too long after that. They had a parting of the ways, irreconcilable differences, and they <laughs> sure. can't even get along. Oh, no. <laughs> after all uh, the hours it took to put this book together. Right. And all the practice they had done. I mean, they, they had done amazing stuff. And they're uh-huh. both great guys. But they, I, my understanding was last time I checked in on them, um, they were ir- unreconciled. I wonder what the heck happened. I don't know. But anyway. So the the idea here, just to make sure we're clear, is that these are seven guidelines for a happy, fulfilling, and meaningful life, and that they are based on the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Sure. 
that's really the uh, I think that that is a pretty big platform upon which happiness can occur. <clears throat> so if you can't if you can't choose happiness, because people would say you're telling me I'm unhappy because I chose that. Mm. Uh, it could be that happiness is a byproduct of life. I tend to think it's more that way. So could I create the environment uh, that would increase the likeliness of happiness coming my way? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, so that the factors that you can control, if you can't just make yourself feel better about your life, exactly, you can make yourself feel better about the things in your life or the, the factors of your life. Yeah, and, and uh, we were talking about this earlier today just on conversation you and me uh, that uh, I think one of the keys to meaning in life is mm-hmm. personal responsibility, maybe the key. And that as we take responsibility, exercise responsibility, assume responsibility for the outcomes of our life, meaning and value are added to our life, which then increases the uh, the likelihood of happiness. Totally. So, totally. Okay, so uh, item number one, um, this guideline, is to commit your life daily to the purpose of glorifying Jesus Christ. Um, what this means is committing your life to this purpose today i'm going to get out of bed and today my my primary purpose in life is to glorify christ Hmm. what do you think when you think of that well i think talking about that uh even right off the bat just that that meaning um if you if you buy into what we buy into Mm -hmm. of who jesus is and that he is who he says he was uh who he says he is then that's about as high a meaning as it gets that that's tapping into um, great commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's a life purpose right there already. So, so you, you just kind of, um, leap over a lot of homework that a lot of people have to do to figure out what they're even on this planet to do. Well, right? and, and it turns out that this is, um, I'm going to say it this way. This is a fact of life. Mm-hmm. You were made to glorify God. This is the reason he made us. He made creation. He made human beings so that we would glorify his name. So when a thing is used for the purpose for which it was created, it functions well. Totally. And when you use it for something else, you know, it doesn't function very well. Mm-hmm. And so the premise is that, uh, and whether you say Jesus Christ or God, if you think of God as a Jewish person or uh, some other monotheistic faith system, uh, the idea is that you would commit your day to glorifying God. Mm-hmm. So that means that priority would trump uh, happiness. It would trump a financial decision. For example, you wouldn't make a decision based purely on finances anymore. You would yeah. make a decision. Finances would be a factor, but the guiding principle of your life is my highest purpose is to glorify God. Yeah. And talking about those factors um, that do shift and that you can't always control, if the one of, if not the highest uh, or most important of those factors is your faith in and a faith in God? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not going to change so much. So y- your circumstances can make it easier or or harder for you to, you know, feel close to God. Maybe, but but holding that as your priority that that's not going to. The that, fact there's aren't, there's no variables there. Yeah, nobody can take that from you. Right. You can't have a good or bad day of that. I exactly. Mean, that's that's the still the the star in front right. of you. Or if you do, it's because you did. It's because you did something that that uh, you shouldn't have, and you feel bad about it, or you know right. something like that. But it adds enormous value to you as a person because mm-hmm. you're. Yeah, I have a purpose. I'm going to glorify God. Yeah. It's like uh you know asking a mom, uh, do do you work out? What do you do? You know what do you do? <laughs> say a stay at home mom, right? Sure. And she if she's uh, if she's to the point, she would say, um, well, I uh, I have a mission 
of the intellectual, spiritual, physical, and emotional development of five human beings who will grow up and develop and change the world. Oh. That's what a mom of five does when she's a stay-at-home mom, right? Yeah. Well, then she goes, holy cow, motherhood is an enormous purpose. Yeah. But if she says, well, I'm trapped at home with five kids, right. and I don't ever get to have adult conversations, she loses that sense of purpose. So yeah. the same thing would be true she's, with this. She's undermining the actual, because the first one is accurate. Oh, it's totally It's accurate. not just a way to say it. The most know? powerful thing you can do to change the world is raise amazing kids. Yeah. Yeah. We spoke to recently at uh, for the one of the newspapers I work for. Uh, to this, uh, s- these sisters who own a teriyaki restaurant in uh, Centralia or Shea, in that Twin Cities kind of mm-hmm. uh, stretch. Uh, it's called Kobo Teriyaki. They had a, a fire uh, debilitate the building last spring, I think, maybe in the fall. Um, and uh, so we were talking about that when they might get back on track. And uh, they would not stop stressing that it was their mission. It's their uh, that they're christians and that it is how they mission to people and they can't mm. wait to get back and, open and talk to the regulars and open yeah. again and mission to people that's awesome so that's the first one commit your your life today every day my purpose today is to glorify god yeah all right what's the second one okay uh priority two priority two yep okay. um let's call it guiding principle number guiding two. principle number two uh spend some time each day meditating on god's word and applying it to your life Okay, and you have gone recently in a extraordinary commitment. I would say over the in 2019, mm-hmm. you uh, re-upped on this commitment in your life for sure. And what did it do for you? Well, uh, again, as is my nature, it had its own kind of ups and downs. So, <laughs> as a whole, as the year of 2019, it was an extraordinary step up from where I was before. But even in that uh, upward trajectory, there were. There were dips and some it, gaps. Yeah. yeah. And it was uh, remarkable. The speed of the, you know, it's almost like you said, like you feel like you work out for like, you know, say a month mm-hmm. and then you, you stop for a week and you lose it all. It's almost the reverse. So the decline from when I had stopped reading and, and, and meditating daily right. was slow. And so I did, I almost didn't notice it as much and until it was, it was sneaky. Yeah, until it's gone. And yeah. And then when you start again, it's like, bam, it's like you're, you're back. So it's, it's, it's the exact opposite of that kind of feeling, which is really fulfilling. It is. Yeah. You don't have to regain the ground you lost. You instantly get back there. Right. Or if not instantly, very quickly, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this is huge, huge, huge. Um, and it's so proactive I, I, for me and I'm, I'm going to take a leap here and say for almost everybody, you can feel helpless in your relationship with God, that he's He's just not with you right, right. now, or you're just not close with him. Uh, this is a proactive strategy. Because um, it's hard works. to feel that way when you're in the middle of the scriptures. Exactly. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean that when you, it's something that you can do. You don't have to wait for God to come yeah. to you or even ask him to. You can open the book and go to and him. get there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, to me, this is huge. That this is, is interesting. Yeah. Also, you have the Romans twelve two idea where we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, mm. and you learn to think about things differently as you engage with the scriptures. But, so the, the 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 guiding principle was to spend some time meditating on right and applying it to your life. So that's more than just reading the Bible. Sure, sure. But I, I think it's the same thing. You know, if you've ever um, watched a incredibly disturbing show you know an episode or, or a movie the next day or the next week you can't stop thinking about right, it right you don't have to try to meditate on it and the same thing goes for when you read something incredibly profound or or comforting and yeah in scripture and it's a living document you know we believe so the the spirit 
will remind you of things you've read. And when you're reading it, it'll remind you of things that that applies to in your life. Yeah, you can have a verse you read today, and then next week when you read it, you get a totally different prompting out of that. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, item number three is get rid of grudges daily. Get rid of grudges every day. Um, This is right from Ephesians 4.26, which tells us get rid of your grudges every day. (laughs) (laughs) Every day. So, uh, you know, uh, grudges lead to bitterness, lead to unforgiveness, lead to resentment, and it's just a trail of toxicity. So the concept is to get rid of your grudges every single day. Um, so learn some principles about how to deal with your anger, mm-hmm. but but get rid of it, like deal with it and get rid of it. Well, the interesting thing is that the um, the getting rid of is tricky, right? So if if you talk to someone about forgiveness mm-hmm. and, and how it's not just like a one and done true uh, thing and you have to make that decision and the worse the grievance is the wor- the harder this is but you have to make that decision every single day and i think that's why they worded it like this is you have to let go of those grudges daily that's it's a great point not like a big moment yeah. or it might have been but you also have to remind yourself every single day yeah cory ten boom met one of the guys from the concentration camp later who had abused her mm-hmm. and he told her he had come to christ and he had repented and god had forgiven him and he only hoped she could forgive him too and she said she had to forgive him every single day yeah. for a long time before that forgiveness ever felt real. Yeah. And so I imagine that's why it is the daily. That's why they worded it that way. Yeah. All right. What do we got for number three? Number four. Oh, number four. That's right. Number We're speeding through. Number four, uh, spend a little time nearly every day getting more intimate with your mate and children. Parents, brothers, sisters, and other close relatives should also have a high priority do all you can to resolve family conflicts. Okay, so this idea is that, you know, we were designed for this intimate relationship Mm -hmm. and that the place to have that is your home. And so to spend time getting more intimate, how how would you, you when you think of spending time to get more intimate with Lindsay, Mm -hmm. what kind of things come to your mind? Um, Again, kind of a proactive is the word that comes to mind. I don't know if that's as appropriate here, but... um, active not passive right so you can we we spend a ton of time together and we both you know find a lot of comfort in just doing separate things in the same room Mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily increase intimacy i wouldn't say so like a lot of nights we'll go with um you know me uh reading a book and her embroidering while the tv's on that's three Mm -hmm. different you know stimuli yeah yeah yeah. so uh we're you know there together and i still i still very much appreciate that time it's just maybe not increasing the intimacy so uh, again, that that active, not passive, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, doing an activity together. You know, even if it's something like building a puzzle, which neither of us particularly enjoy, but yeah. it's something together. You're having the exact same experience, and it's not um, it's not an observation. Like if you're watching a movie together, right? The intimacy building might be after that when you talk about it, but mm-hmm. it, but it is a a consuming act, not a or uh, take a walk down to Baskin Robin, right? <laughs> <laughs> another consuming act but one that's more social yeah yeah i think too when you think of intimacy you might not think of conflict but resolving conflict effectively is a powerful enemy intimacy mm, booster um as is confession asking for forgiveness uh praying together um talking about a struggle and sharing that with each other so vulnerability has to be a part of that sure where you actually take some risks because you don't have intimacy without vulnerability you just don't yeah that's yeah that one I, I'm less excited about. Think, <laughs> when I think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds fun, doing, you know, building a puzzle with yeah. my wife. That other one is less less exciting. <laughs> yeah, so, so for example, when you have a difficult day at work or, mm. you know, something happened that, that hurt you at work 
and then you talk to her about it, there's some intimacy developed because she uh, reaffirms you, she encourages you. It becomes this safe place. Yeah. It's a pretty powerful thing. Yeah. All right. Number five is to spend some time uh, each week having fellowship and fun with at least one or two other persons of the same sex. So yeah. uh, it'd be for you to have uh, every week to spend a little bit of time having uh, fellowship and fun with a friend or two. Um, if you're a married couple and you do this with another couple, that would qualify as well. Sure. So uh, how often do you do that, John? Uh, not as often. That's a lot more challenging. And and we've touched um, – the more episodes we have, the more I'm going to have to refer to older episodes or I could just drop the practice. But um, in our friendship episode, and yeah. uh, it's just more and more increasingly challenging to to do that. And I – and uh, regularly so so maybe you know three weeks out of a month i'll be able to do this which is is pretty that's a lot yeah that is a lot that's probably overestimating maybe two mm-hmm. uh with uh you know um playing games with my brother online because he's mm-hmm. in arizona which i don't know if these authors would consider that but i i do i would yeah that's certainly yeah because yeah, yeah. you guys talk while you play right, so yeah. you're also talking about life and yeah yeah um but it is a lot harder uh in person even just with schedules it's not even the willingness you know the the spirit is willing and the mm-hmm. the flesh is weak and busy. I tell you, so. um, I think this one is significant because um, most people are lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People don't typically have a lot of friends. And then to carve out time, we're so busy and our calendars are full to actually find time to go do this. So I would say in my life, I've had a gap of this for a while. Uh, not now, but in, in the recent history. Sure. Where um, I was only with Sue. Or I was alone. Yeah. And I've started making a bigger commitment to this because I want to have significant relationships with some of the people I work with and some friends. <clears throat> and the energy it creates, even just doing something silly. Like, yeah, uh, you know, um, the other night you and I met and went to a movie. Well, before the movie, mm-hmm. I went to Chipotle with Sue to have dinner, and then she was going to go home. Well, a friend of mine pops in there by himself to have dinner so we had dinner with him nice and it was a blast and it's just energy creating to have these uh it's again maybe a a way for you to remember you're not alone and there's people that care and um there's meaning yeah and it is different um i don't really know why now that i think about it but that energy is different than than when just your spouse because it's almost like you're the same you're close to the same person, right. you and your spouse. The intimacy is so deep and so familiar that, mm-hmm. that it doesn't always create that same kind of energy. Energy. That's really interesting. Yeah. All right. Okay. Number six. Number six. And number six is uh, is really a little bit more complicated of a of a deal. So we're going to talk yeah. about this a little bit. Okay. I got you. Number six. Be involved in a daily routine, including work, play, housework projects, that brings personal satisfaction to you. Be convinced that this routine is God's will and purpose for your life, your way to glorify Him. Now, this is really cool, and I think this—I think this—it this, is, but it's kind of a profound secret, and that is to have some daily routines that you know might be, you know, your job, um, the way you relax, uh, reading, thinking, projects around the house, projects at work, mm-hmm. this uh, time with friends, whatever it is. These daily routines that you believe. Uh, well, first of all, they bring satisfaction to you. This yeah. is a you know it's it's a it, it satisfies you, and you believe this is your way to glorify God. This is this is part of your deal. Um, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Listen to this because this this was a, a big one for me. 
I honestly, the first thing that came to my mind was the word "be convinced" as mm-hmm. the as a mm-hmm. as an active again another a proactive thing. Yeah, make yourself convinced that this is, and that was interesting to me that this is God's will for your life. And because I think uh, when you think of you know number one glorifying God, or, or which or, is God's your, will for you, is that you glorify Him exactly. Um, I don't always think of me being alone, indulging my hobbies or my pattern or mm-hmm. chores as glorifying God because it is not. Um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind for me when I think of glorifying God is interaction with other with other humans. That's yeah. that's the um, you know that's we are blessed so that we can bless. It's all, it's all about uh, interpersonal um, relationships. So when I think about being alone reading a book, it doesn't it doesn't always um, come together unless it is His w- word. I see. Know. Yeah. Well, that's interesting about you, John, because you're an introvert, mm-hmm. but you view almost everything about you that that you think is God glorifying has to do with serving or making someone else's life better. Yeah. Well, so I know that, you know, obviously God sees it all. Mm -hmm. So I'm glorifying him when I make uh, maybe a hard decision that no one's even going to see. Right. I know that reality. um, But the the, uh, specific, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I guess. So that's why I think this is important because you can get hung up on this going because you said, is it glorifying God when I sit and read a book? Is it glorifying God if I play a video game? What if I spend some time on Instagram? Are those God-glorifying things? Right. And the answer is, no. it's not that that thing is glorifying. is that you have this whole day of rhythm. So um, sometimes you're going to be in a crowd. So if you played video games all day today, sure, then that would not be a day that you said, I spent that day glorifying God. Right. But you know that recreation of energy is part of God's will for you. Mm-hmm. Rest is part of his will intellectual development so reading and thinking uh, social engagement having conversations having a house that is clean and orderly and organized is a way to glorify god Hmm. so just this that that the way it really is what this i think this means to me is the way i do my life is uh i need to be convinced that the way i do my life is the way i glorify god yeah and that makes sense yeah so what happens is if i have a part of my life well the way i do that isn't god glorifying I can pull that out, stop that, change that, so that I have this sense that my entire day, the way I do my day, is a, is my way of glorifying God. So, but I guess what what gives me what gives me pause is the um, the neutrality of a lot of things, right? The mm-hmm. the kind of um, you know, it's just it's just there, you know. It's like a, a I don't know bathing regularly. Like, yeah, it's good to be clean and to present yourself well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the act of taking a shower is a neutral act, right? I, I guess that that's kind of where – and maybe that's a poor example. Uh, I don't think know. it is, though. I think that you're practicing good hygiene, taking care of the body God gave you. You're also doing that as a gift to the people around you. I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful when you practice good hygiene. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure anything would be neutral. Hmm. In fact, um, you know how people – we've had this debate you and i don't debate it but we hate this concept of sacred and secular mm-hmm. so there's christian music and there's secular music right and the truth is no there's just truths and lies so if something is true it is sacred because mm-hmm. all truth comes from god and what makes something vile would be either the content of the words or behavior itself or the heart of the person doing it mm. so something something neutral done by an evil person it could be evil sure something neutral done by a god-fearing god-loving person kind and generous person 
could be that way. Interesting. So it it is the the uh, I used to tell my my stepdad Mexican, and he would make me you know he man he made the best breakfast in the world. Ooh, this bacon just so cooked much. in a skillet, man. It was just perfect. Fried eggs, hash browns, and every time he would do it, I'd say, John, that's the best Mexican food I ever had in my life because a Mexican <laughs> made it. So you could say, well, that's Mexican food because a Mexican made it, <laughs> right? That's a righteous act, because a, <laughs> exactly, or a God glorifying act because a God glorifying person made it, right? And having that sense, it it adds. What it does is it adds a little bit of meaning to everything you're doing. Yeah, I'm glorifying God with this. It actually, until I have a hard time relaxing, which you and I have talked about because I have this achiever need. Sure. And uh, so Sabbath is very hard for me and resting is hard for me. But when I realized I rest as an act of worship because God tells me to rest. Yeah. And my decision to rest out of obedience to God to say, hey, nothing out there matters right now. I'm going to be, I'm going to rest. I'm going to, I'm going to relax. I'm going to recreate energy in my body. Totally. As an act of worship to God, it changed that whole thing for me. Yeah, that's kind of similar, and this is a little tangential, but um, uh, Stephen Colbert, who's divisive to an extent, but he has uh, a a quote saying um, that uh, being told not to worry in the the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just a, uh, he's not, God doesn't say that as a gift. Like, hey, you can, it is this, you can rest in God and it is a gift. But he doesn't say it like that. He's it's a commandment. It's right. a you sh- you you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, to because you should have that faith. So when you are worrying, it is actually disobedience. It's not right. just inconvenience. It is disobedience. And the, and the same thing with this. Um, uh, we've had this recurring uh, motive in the last week where just we talked about it uh, personally, and then uh, Wednesday night, um, one of our worship pastors brought it up. The uh, the vision that uh, Paul has with the, or Peter, Peter has with yeah. the, the sheet with the clean and unclean animals and what God has made clean, uh, don't call unclean. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost the same sense where it's, uh, it's not just, and, and with us, my revelation with it was my, myself, um, you do not call yourself unclean when God has made you clean. Right. And it's not just a, don't do that. It's how dare you, because God has said this. Yeah. You it's know, almost like you're defying God exactly, by saying that. Exactly. Yeah. It's not just a little thing. So, and the same idea with the Sabbath, I think. Yeah, I think that's true. All right. Uh, item number seven. I don't remember if it's your turn it's or my your turn. turn. Okay. Number seven is to do something nice for one special person each week. This can be physical, doing a chore for somebody, emotional, giving them a book or a small gift, um, a spiritual thing, having a conversation with them uh, about the Lord, um, just do, going out of the way, doing little deeds. Uh, this can be even, in my opinion, uh, in the drive-thru at Starbucks, you you pay mm-hmm. for the car behind you. Oh, there you go. Uh, today, I sent three emails to people who work with uh, with me because I just noticed how extraordinarily well they're doing their job. And I just dropped, dropped nice. them a note, tell them how meaningful that is to me and how grateful I am to be a partner in, in work with them. Uh, and the thing that's cool about that is people don't get enough encouragement, so it definitely blesses the person you're serving. Yeah. But it also has this... Uh, energy creating effect in you it feels good to make somebody feel good yeah yeah that makes sense yeah so when you think about the seven john um do you is any of this counterintuitive where you say uh, i wouldn't have thought that way or is there anything you might add to the list you know what's your what's your response to this list of guidelines i will give you my list breakdown right after this break all right Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. 
This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back and thanks for listening. We also want to thank this episode, uh, our newest uh, episode producer, uh, Lori McIntosh. McIntosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lori McIntosh, thank you, Lori, for thank you so much. Uh, jumping on the uh, upstream team. And today's episode is produced by her. Yeah. We're really grateful. Really, really grateful. Thank you again. And if you want to find out more about that, again, just uh, check out our website and uh, uh, patreon.com slash Jim and John. Yeah. And uh, Lori is a resident of Lake Cushman, Washington. Beautiful spot. Got a great little golf course up there. And that's where one of my favorite hikes in Western Washington is called Staircase. Oh, yeah. Uh, Great little hike out there. Yeah. Love it. She lives in paradise. Okay. So my, uh, if I had to pick one of these things that kind of jumped out at me a little okay. bit, uh, I would probably pick the daily routine one, which is interesting because I, I had some questions with that. But be involved in a daily routine, including work, play, household projects that brings personal satisfaction to you. Be convinced that this routine is God's will and purpose for your life, your way to, of glorifying him. I think I don't get caught in the same productivity trap that you do. Right. Um, but I, I uh, suffer some... Um, I, guilt is a little bit of a heavy word for it, but some, some guilt on uh, how I spend my time sometimes. And I think what this does in the same way that the Sabbath does it is it frees you up, um, to not feel like you have to be, you know, you can read a book that's not the Bible and not feel bad about it. Right. 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 It, it frees you up to say, Hey, this is part of my routine and I'm glorifying God with the big picture and with the, you know, it's a dot in the mosaic. And if you back up the mosaic itself glorifies God, it's the, it's the picture of your life. So I think it, it it is freeing in the same way, um, and it is limiting in the same way, in, in a healthy way. In a uh, the routine involves those things. You if, so it limits you in that way, where you say, "Hey, have the routine that does glorify God." But I think it gives you freedom. It gives me freedom. Um, to, yeah, it's kind of like to uh, do quote unquote neutral things, right, and not feel bad about it. Yeah. yeah, you said at first I thought you were using a Jedi mind trick to make yourself just feel good about playing video games or reading a non <laughs> a non spiritual book. But the essence is, I was thinking, you know, when you were saying all that, I was thinking, eat, pray, love, right? Like if you said my day to glorify God needs to include these items, let's mm-hmm. just use eat, pray, love. That means when you eat, when you pray, and when you love, you know that comprehensively this day is glorifying God. Right. It's your way of glorifying God. So that's why these elements, you you can't take them one at a piece. You take the day and you exactly. say, yeah, this day I'm going to glorify God. Yeah, and you give them each their due, their due piece, and that's why. And um, their appropriate volume. Right. And that's why being a, uh, a workaholic, even if you're producing, that doesn't necessarily glorify God. And being a, a slouch doesn't glorify God. It's It's the... Kind of the the Martha Mary challenge is what we're stumbling into. You know, the the two sisters, when Jesus went to visit them, Mm -hmm. 
Martha's cleaning the house, cooking the, the food, and Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Oh, yeah. And Martha yeah, comes yeah. over and says, hey, Lord, tell her to get up and help me. And he says, hey, Mary's chosen the better thing, you know, just to sit here and be with me. <laughs> sure. But the, but some of us are Martha's and some of us are Mary's where we just have this propensity to do, you know, we're constantly fixing everything and getting it right. And and other people want to sit and contemplate and think and enjoy conversation. Mm. I wonder which of the two doctors was the Martha, which one was the Mary. <laughs> That'd be a good question. <laughs> That's why I mean. can't hang out anymore. Yeah. You know, the one that I think I'm going to focus on a little more is the spend time each week, fun and fellowship with a friend or two of the same sex. That's honestly, that's the one I think that's missing the most. I just don't even In your know life. Where, to, yeah, yeah. where to, where to start. Really? That so that's so important and it's so difficult now. I, I have like. a friend that I have coffee with almost every Monday hmm. and that has become uh that has become a staple in my week. I mean, I really, I miss it when I don't get to have it. Mm. And it's, it's, it's this uh, really cool place, but also doing something, you know, um, driving out to the beach or, uh, doing a hike or, um, you know, um, I'm a, I'm an ice cream guy. So going to Minchie's or having some ice cream, mm-hmm. uh, just doing something out of schedule, um, that's, that's not normal for me. I guess yeah. my life so fast or something. And I'm always surprised at how grateful I am that I did it. Yeah. So I just need to do it more. I think one of the challenges for me in that in that same thing is I have a, a buddy uh, who I, I – we used to get coffee once a week, and then it turned into about once a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the challenges, honestly, is I think because I love being home so much, yeah. and so it's I'm off work, and it's like I just want to go home. Yep. And, and beca- Especially when it's dark. Exactly. You know, all the time. Yeah. And it's, and it's tough because it's like at five, it'd be easy to go from there to coffee. Coffee goes for, you know, an hour, but getting there and getting home, you're, you're, you're postponing the time to get back, you know, then you're miss, messing up your dining schedule with your, with your spouse. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a little complicated, but it's really, it's worth it if you're just willing to, you know, suck it, it is. Up a little it's bit. really worth it. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's do takeaways and then we'll, we'll close this down. What do you have a takeaway from this whole conversation today? I think that's basically it already uh, is the, the routine one really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, it's just a, it's just a good list. Um, and a few of those, I don't necessarily weren't ahas to me, yeah. you know, like yeah. the, um, the, the grudges one. I don't personally struggle with you don't that hold as grudges. much. Right. Yeah. Um, so not, not the whole thing to me was like a, like my whole life has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and lists are, I, I have suspicion of lists oftentimes. Sure. Um, but this one's got, I mean, it's got good content. A lot of it is just kind of, like you said, truth and lies. It's a, it's a true list. Mm-hmm. They, they're not blowing smoke. Right. Know? Right. Yeah. I think the takeaway for me is that really, uh, the list to me shouts two things. One is really living for God. Like it really, the whole list could have been one list, mm-hmm. one word, one, one item, um, make glorifying God the objective of your day every single day. Totally. That that's a pretty huge guiding principle. And I think we lie to ourselves a lot saying, yeah, I'm, I'm living for God. And we make decisions that are selfish and we don't uh, forgive and we don't sure. you know, serve. And um, so, uh, but, but the two things that this list really hammers is um, living for God and having connection with other human beings. Yeah. And that these two things are really powerful sources of life. The third one that he mentioned, because he said those three things are personal self-worth, a sense of worth, mm-hmm. um, intimacy with another person, and uh, intimacy with God. And so the 
the this sense my life has meaning you know my life matters that's a big deal well honestly those three on the list aren't even to me the same it's almost like the second two um uh intimacy with other people and intimacy with god uh beget the first one they it's cause and effect i would agree yeah create the meaning in your life so Um, so the sense of worth is a byproduct of of intimacy with others and intimacy exactly uh it's almost like um I've used this analogy before, but you don't. You didn't learn about proofs in in uh, geometry class, did you? I hated geometry. That's where I fell apart in math. <laughs> gotcha. What's well, proofs? My like, geometry teacher was a man named Colonel Jolly. Colonel Jolly. Colonel Jolly. He was like six four, perfect posture, had taps on the heels of his shoes, tile floors. What in this the guy world? was an Air Force Colonel. Are you a cartoon character? Right. He. Now? I'm <laughs> telling you, man. And he ruined math for me. Colonel Jolly. Colonel Jolly. I got some really sad stories about Colonel Jolly and what he did to me. I've like in just in my life, not what he did to me. He, right. He was a good man. He was actually a very good man. I loved him until he ruined math for me. How have we had thousands of conversations <laughs> and, and I've never, never heard of once heard Jolly? Of Colonel Jolly. <laughs> yeah, Colonel Jolly. Anyway, the proofs. Uh happiness comes from meaning and meaning comes from intimacy with God and intimacy with people. That's kind of how I would break that down. I see. So which and, and which the list, then, like yeah. you said, the list is is basically boils down to those two, right? It's and, how to live those out exactly, yeah. And uh, which goes to my premise. I think my premise about happiness is that happiness is never the goal because that's elusive and it's a trap. But um, intimacy with God, intimacy with people, and a sense of worth those are the goal, and happiness comes along uh, because of those goals. Sure. All right. Well, hey, I hope this has been helpful to you. Uh, we are. We cannot thank you enough for listening. Uh, please, yeah, you guys uh, are the best. Yeah, send us uh, an email, info at jimandjohn.com, no H in the John. We'd love to hear from you, um, listener feedback, uh, recommendations of conversations you want us to have. We have a pretty good list going of future episodes. I think we're going to have a lot of fun and some very fascinating conversations coming up soon. So yeah. stay tuned, subscribe, pass it on to a friend, and thanks for listening. Thank you.